You are Locked On AFL, your daily AFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On AFL. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. Particularly with a pathetic effort from Pitt. I mean, it was the most disgraceful display I've ever seen from a big film. That's pretty hard on an individual, but he's going to have to live with that. And alongside me, as always, is Josh Lloyd. Lloyd is Lloyd. Lloyd to Lloyd. 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 Kane, get on your flight back to Footscray or wherever the fuck you live. Listen, mate, it's not my fault that you go for... And this, listen, after 2016, there were some problems for the Bulldogs, but they won the flag. They were young, excited men. But what are they doing up in the hub? What, what are the Bulldogs up to? They apparently are playing loud music after their uh, after their elimination against the Saints and... Oh, sorry, after their best and fairest count and uh, yeah, on their last day up in the hub having, having a party. But that didn't sit too well with some uh, Richmond players' girlfriends. Yeah, look, the Tigers are out here. They're trying to win a flag. They don't need the, they don't need to carry on from the from the Bulldogs after, uh, I don't know, after the best and fairest or, or the end of their season. How long? I will ask this though. How long are they allowed to stay up there? It's kind of, it is kind of strange to me that they're still just in there. I think some of them are back and some of them are still up there. I, I thought I heard somewhere that it was a month, but I, I'm not. I'm not sure. Like once you're there, if you wanted to stay, obviously at your own cost, I assume you could because you've been quarantined. But I, I, I don't know. I don't think there's been any specific number on it. Obviously, the AFL is not paying for these guys uh, anymore. But if people wanted to stay up there longer, I'm sure they could. And yeah, just looking at players' Instagrams, and you can see some of them are still there <laughs> yeah. and some of them are back here. It's very strange. I want to get to Queensland for a holiday. Yeah, it we, looks it looks pretty nice. This? Yeah. It looks uh, looking pretty good up there, but unfortunately, we don't have that uh, ability to get up there. But there is other news across the AFL. Um, Adam Trelaw, an interesting one. News coming out that his uh, partner is uh, is moving to Queensland to play uh, for the, I don't know the name of the team, up in Queensland, for the professional netball team up there. So speculation rife that uh, the Gold Coast Suns are, are poking poking their nose in, just 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 digging around to see whether maybe Trelaw might want to come up uh, with his misses up uh, up to the, the Sunshine State for the season. It apparently is not something that is is going to happen, but it is it is interesting nonetheless that uh, the Gold Coast making the use of the hub advantage and the fact that now the yeah his uh, girlfriend's heading up there, it's absolutely worth a shot. Well, this really blew up. I was watching 360 last night, and this is when it really went crazy because it was kind of out of the blue. And I, I think reports came out in the afternoon that uh, his partner was going to play up there, but uh, Robbo on 360 was just like, well, I can't really see him playing for Collingwood next year. He kind of just threw it out there, and I was like, wait a second. I was like, well, this is like escalated pretty quickly. And then from there, it was the talk on all the footy shows. I think, you know, for those that have kind of kept track of Adam Trelaw and some of the things he's gone through and, and he speaks really well and, and listening to him speak over the probably the last couple of seasons it would be of some surprise if he was just like yeah I'm happy to just play footy in Melbourne for the whole season and and my partner and and uh, child will be up there in Queensland it does seem like something that is hard to believe so even though they are coming out now and saying that he'll probably play in Collingwood I, I don't know I mean I'm just gonna wait and see because that is obviously a difficult situation, particularly after this year and having some separation for a period of time. Maybe they found a way that it works, but it does seem like it would be a difficult thing to do, no doubt. So, you know, for the Pies, I mean, I think one of the reasons we feel so optimistic about them next season is clearly 
they've got some key, and we're going to get into the pies, but clearly they've got some key uh, players at, at either end of the, of the ground they're trying to secure. But what the one thing we do feel confident about is the midfield, and Adam Trelaw is a big reason for that. So are you suggesting that Robbo maybe just pulled that out of his ass? Oh, I, I don't. I was just, I was just kind of taken aback how hard he went. Like you could just bring it up as a possibility, but just to come out and say uh, that you'd be shocked if he played at Collingwood next year. Really, I was kind of half taking notice of the show, half doing something else, and and I was like, wait a second, did I just? then I had to rewind it and and uh, listen to it back. It, it shocked me. If I was a Collingwood fan, I probably would have been thinking, what the hell is going on here? His partner Kim is only uh, has only signed a one year contract to play for the Queensland yeah. Firebirds. I've seen the name of that team now, so it's only a one year deal. Trelaw's contracted for Collingwood until the twenty twenty five season, so it is only a one year thing. But again, who knows? We've seen plenty of stranger things happen. Maybe yeah. she goes up there, loves it, gets another contract, and he then at the end of this season he's like, well, let's let's move up there. Let's um, yeah, don't have to deal with Melbourne winters, and we'll do that uh, next season. But it is an, an interesting story. You know, and a lot of people go, oh, well, she, yeah, she should be the one that should be coming down to, she should be in Melbourne with him. But no, if he wants to go up there to Queensland, like, by all means, do it. Uh, it's just, you yeah, know, getting, getting that compensation, compensation right for Collingwood. And uh, it doesn't appear like it is anything happening, but all sorts of wild and wonderful stories come out at this point of the year. Uh, I think we touched on this a little bit yesterday, but uh, Areja Fantasia is uh, looking to move back to South Australia. No no guarantee on that at this point, but that was, uh, that's was that been coming for months and months and months, Kane. Yeah, I mean, he's been a guy the last couple of years in particular that hasn't been able to have a huge impact for a number of reasons. Injuries, uh, probably the main one there, but uh, there has been a couple of other extensions. So as far as Essendon go, I mean, this could have been a serious disaster and, and probably to an extent it has been already anyway with the players that are leaving with Fantasia. Uh, you know, McKenna obviously leaving and the other guys, Danaher, no doubt, uh, Saad. But they have just signed Kyle Langford as well for a two-year contract extension. I, I think the reports out this morning is that there is some hope that they will be able to retain uh, Hurley as well, who, you know, I mean, again, it depends where you think the Bombers are at um, as a club moving forward, whether it's desperate, desperately needed to sign a guy like Hurley in his 30s. But I think for the for the image of the club, it's important that they don't lose everyone. I mean, that would be... That would be the big disaster because I've heard some stuff um, or read some stuff over the weekend about uh, Hooker as well and then Devin Smith and and the list goes on and on about the stuff coming out of Essendon. So it's good for them that they're able to sign at least a couple of the guys that uh, in that age bracket that they're going to be really important players for them. Well, John Ralph had a tweet this morning saying Hurley and Guelphie likely to stay, same as Devin Smith and Zach Merritt as well. So yeah, we're not getting this huge exodus. There are plenty of other players, though. We don't know what's going on with Dylan Shield. Jake Stringer's name has been mentioned. You mentioned Hooker as well, who seemed to have some disappointing moments um, or was disappointed with some of the things going on at Essendon in, in the season. So, of course, this story is far from over in terms of who's leaving and who's staying. But you know, three guys out at, at this point. Could be some more guys uh, on the way, but it's not. It hasn't been a great look. But you're getting guys like McGrath to re-sign and, and now Langford signing today. It, it does help a little bit in terms of you know, giving getting a bit more stability in for the first full season of uh, of Ben Rutten as a, as the full time head coach, not whatever this uh, 50-50 nonsense was that was going on this season. Hawthorne is another team that is constantly mentioned in trade talks because we know how bad they were this year and they are you know, dipping back down and probably in for a harder rebuild now over the couple of years. So guys like Gunston, um, Isaac Smith, 
yeah, these these older players, and Gunston was in the mix for all Australian. We know what Smith can do as a, a play finisher type player for a, a finals team. You got you know, guys like Luke Bruce, perhaps these older players at Hawthorne. How, how do we look at them in terms of these guys? Who would you be looking at as a number one, your number one target on this Hawthorne list of potentially gettable players? Well, Bruce is the best player out of them in terms of the age bracket as well. I mean, Jack Gunson just came off a best and fairest season. So I think if, you, if you're a team that needs a, a small to medium forward, then Bruce and Gunston obviously stand out. But I'm really curious about Isaac Smith because, uh, you know, a tough year for him this year. He only played 10 games, uh, a few injuries crept in there. And then, you know, but overall, he was kind of just off the radar because the season was a little bit of a disaster if you look at his disposal count still up at 17 so he's been a guy that sat around 20 for most of his career so he still found the footy although he wasn't as damaging in front of goal didn't kick a lot of goals but smith is a player to me that still probably has a good year or two we know he's a game breaker i still can't help but think about the goal he kicked and it's hard to believe this but against richmond earlier in the season when the season just returned and hawthorne uh, got smacked around by Geelong, and everyone thought, well, what's going on with Hawthorne? Then they came out, and, and they flogged Richmond the week after, and Isaac Smith kicked that running goal from 55-60 out uh, at the MCG. And it, it just he's a guy that, on a, on a good team, in a team that is going to be pushing for finals, pushing for the flag, he could be one. He could be a real difference maker and a guy that can break a game open, particularly a final. We know he's got a lot of experience in September. So Isaac Smith, even though he's going to be turning 32 next year, would you be... Trying to, to to pick him up, perhaps if you're a Melbourne, maybe maybe a St Kilda, these teams, because let's be honest, Isaac Smith isn't going to uh, require a lot in the way of uh, remuneration for the Hawks. Yeah, he's, he turns 32 uh, in December, actually, this year. So he's going to be 32 by the time next year starts, 30th of December. So he's not particularly young. Um, I, I'm not sure I'm holding him quite in the same you know, level that you are in terms of what sort of difference maker he could he could be. At, when you get to this age, he's 31, 32, you can say he had a down year, but that is that COVID, is that the team, or is it just the fact that now that he's having a down year and that's what it's going to be from now on, and that is the, you know, because he's, he's already post-prime, um, and often players get to this age, you know, Ben Stratton just retired and he's two months younger than Isaac Smith. So is it just he's this is where he is. He doesn't have that same uh, endurance or burst or you know, everything just drops off five ten percent. I think there's a chance that he's in that in that area. So I'm not sure I'd be look. You don't have to put huge amounts into him to get him. I wouldn't think, but I wouldn't rely, want to rely upon him to be in my best fifteen players. Maybe he's that fringe player that you sort of manage during the season and can come up with big moments. But I worry a little bit at that age that, that he's at. That maybe this year wasn't a mirage. Yeah, but you're just not gonna. I just don't think Isaac Smith, from what we've seen in the past with guys like uh, Sam Mitchell and Jordan Lewis, it, it's. Like there's no risk. Like if you're Melbourne, for instance, who thinks that uh, you have a bunch of inside players, what do we need? We need an outside guy. Ed Langdon was fantastic this year. Uh, yeah, that's Chuck Isaac Smith out on a wing. You're not gonna. You're just not gonna have to give anything up really to get him. A late draft pick. Who cares? I, I think he can definitely be a difference maker for a team like that. That I think needs some outside guys. And and honestly, potentially St Kilda could be the same when you look at their midfield and the guys they had running through there. Look, if Gunston is gettable, he is the, the one Gunston, you want. Yeah. He's not. Well, he's he's what about to turn twenty nine in a couple of days. He's a year younger than Bruce, which is interesting to me. I didn't didn't expect that to be the case. So yeah. he's still twenty nine. You've still got two years, three years at, at a really high level, probably here for Gunston. 
Um, yeah, and you're talking three years younger than than where uh, or four years younger almost than, than what Isaac Smith is, uh, and he is a name that's been bandied about quite a bit as a guy that might be on the move now. You have to pay a lot more to get him, but if you're yeah, we're going to always bring up Melbourne in these because it just feels like they need that extra forward. And you can throw the Bulldogs in that mix. Would you throw a second rounder at Gunston versus a you know, fifth rounder for Isaac Smith? Where's the value proposition there if that's the sort of thing that they're demanding? Yeah, it's kind of interesting because even the Bulldogs. You know, maybe maybe they could use Gunston. I mean, he's a fantastic player. I mean, I think you know the easy option is to say every team could actually use <laughs> a Gunston because he's because he's a fantastic player. I think with Melbourne, when I look at the the types of forwards they needed, they had plenty of the mid-sized guys. Bailey Fritch obviously had a fantastic season. Um, Petrarca, they can play down there, sort of split his time between midfield and forward. But I like Luke Jackson and I like Wiedemann, and I think they need to continue to give those two time. So uh, maybe maybe Gunston messes that up a little bit. I don't know how you feel about the Bulldogs. But the one guy I do want to ask, and I think I threw this to you prior to the finals, but now that we saw how the finals panned out and Paddy Ryder and Marshall versus Tim English, big boy McAvoy, any interest at all? He's 30 as well, I believe. Is there any interest there in uh, boosting the ruck stocks a little bit and then playing him with English? He's, he's 31, uh, yeah. McAvoy. So I, I don't mind. I reckon there's probably going to be some other ruck options out there that you can throw in. You don't. I don't think you need to get someone who is at that age necessarily. There's probably going to be some 27, 28-year-old ruckmen around who have the bigger bodies because that's really what we're looking for here. You don't, you don't really need... I need an absolute elite, the top-level ruckman, whether that is Goldstein... Yeah. Who who are you know, advancing on in age, and, and McAvoy's not that top level ruckman. But do I need someone that's thirty one, or can I get a twenty eight year old or a twenty seven year old who's maybe as you know, so we've already heard today that uh, well yes so sorry that Braden Pruce wants to go to GWS. Like is that the sort of player that that you look at that guy who's sort of been in and out and, and struggling around because so many ruckmen. They sort of come from nowhere at age 25, 26, mm. and they've waited their, their chance and they get that opportunity because you don't need a full-time Rockman to come in with Tim English. You just need someone to sort of help out and, and provide 60%, 70% moving in and out. And, and maybe you find that guy that can come in and, and bash around and get some hit outs and provide some body pressure. And then English comes in and does his thing during that, uh, during that time. But I'm not sure... That McAvoy, I, maybe I'm just thinking these guys are maybe a little bit too old. When the core of the Bulldogs is 25, 26 years old or, or, or younger for the majority of those guys, let's get a 27, 28 year old and see how that goes. Yeah, it's always the challenge for these teams that are thereabouts. And I know we'll talk about the Saints in a little bit here in, in a later segment, but it's the challenge because once you get to the point where um, you are close and you know, for the Bulldogs, play some pretty good footy during the year, the St. Kilda certainly were in the top four for a lot of the season. It's hard not to just it, – it has to be hard not to just go all in and say, okay, well, if we add McAvoy, we've got two years here where we can potentially win a flag. Could this be a move that propels us to that spot? Because I don't think it's, I don't think it's unreasonable to suggest that the, the workload on Tim English this year, it was just too much. I mean, you, so you talk about uh, guys that are more mature coming in to recommend. I with how young Tim English is, you even think about – St. Kilda adding Paddy Ryder, and, and we questioned it. I certainly questioned it and said, I don't know if this is the best thing for Rowan Marshall. Marshall was a, an actual mature player when he came into the AFL, and he's uh, around 24 years old now, and he still benefited greatly from having that veteran uh, partner with him in the ruck as well. So it's tough. They're, they're just asking a lot of, of Tim English. I expect some sort of move. Yeah, I do expect something, or somebody to come in. I just uh, It's just going to be what are you willing to give up? 
to get For that sure. player in and you know, who who is that player exactly. Like you, you look at what Carlton did bring in Pittnet this year. I think that's the sort of guy that you look at for most of these teams rather than if you have to spend a higher pick or pay more money to someone mm-hmm. like a, a McAvoy to come in. It might not be the best. And you know how I think that some at, at times Ruckman can be a little bit overvalued unless you've got you know, a top two or top three Ruckman. Otherwise, they can be relatively interchangeable. And I think you've got to just sort of balance that idea out. But you mentioned St. Kilda. We're going to talk about them now because they have been eliminated from the AFL finals this year. So where do they look to next? They were, I guess, a bit of a surprise to be as good as they were this year after all those big off-season moves majority paid off. Actually, all of them paid off, but to varying degrees. They're not a team that is super old. Um, yeah, lots of improvement still to come. Yeah, you, you look straight away down the forward line like Max King. Like There's big improvement to come there from him. Guys like Jack Steele, who really stepped up this year. You've got uh, Brad Hill, who could perhaps have a a better season. There's a lot of players on this team who are really interesting to see how their development can can go. So, yeah, are they going to be super aggressive, do you think, again, in trying to get more players in? Or are they just going to back these guys in, maybe add one or two pieces and just hope for that internal development? Yeah, well, I think they'll back themselves to, to get better. But when you look at the the top 10 in their best and fairest, basically all the recruits are in there. So they did a fantastic job of, of bolstering the list with those guys. The two question marks I have, uh, one is the back line. Uh, we know there's some uncertainty about Jake Carlisle, but uh, similar to, uh, who was the player you just mentioned? Similar to Gunston. Jake Carlisle, Jake Carlisle is younger than you think. He's only just turned 28. Uh, and, and I know there's been... A lot of question marks. Well, what are you going to do with Jake Carlisle? He's not, he's not the the dominant backline intercept marking damaging player that we thought he was, or he was certainly trending into being when he was with Essendon. But he's still really reliable, and I, I think that they will sign him, whether it's a one year deal or whatever. I, I think Carlisle will be back because I think the the combination of Carlisle and Dougal Howard, who was unbelievable. I mean, Howard is is really the key down there. But we saw some other guys. Wilkie went down there. Uh, I, I think shoring up the back line, perhaps with another tall defender, might be a, a move for St. Kilda. But the other one is the midfield, because one guy in particular that I look at with the Saints this year, and I, I wonder whether they would prefer to have him play in a different position, is probably Zach Jones, because he's not he's not a clearance monster. He got you three and a half clearances per game this year, 19 disposals, and we know he's really damaging at times, but... I think he actually might be more damaging or I think he might be best playing off halfback first and a guy that you can put through the middle in burst. So I, I do wonder, uh, A, whether you agree with that, but B, whether they, they could be a team that could get in the mix for another midfielder. I know that there are talks that they're going to get involved with, with Brad Crouch. Is, is that something you would be interested in doing? Yeah, I think their midfield is probably just a little bit under where it needs to be. Like, there's still some players there who, who are obviously really good and quite young for a number of these guys. Like, you talk about, you know, um, all down, all, it's across the whole board. Butler's 24, Billings is 25. You've got down the back line, uh, Caulfield and, and Clark are, are 21 apiece. So you have really young guys. And then even Hanabry and Hill are, are you know, 29 and 27, so not super old. And then, of course, um, Jack Steele is, what, 24? Yeah, he's he's 24, you know, quite young in the middle there. Ross is still 27. So even guys like Tim Membry, who's been around forever, he's only 26. So still quite a bit of, of growth in those guys. But I just feel like I'm not sure about Jones off halfback. I'm not sure that he's that sort of player that... Um, 
that I would be as excited to have running around there. I, th- I think replacing Carlisle is important, but I like what they've done in their back line. You know, Clark and, and Caulfield and Wilkie and uh, and Howard, of course, have been massive down there and really consistent. I think maybe you need another halfback. To- maybe it's... Do you, could you move Brad Hill to halfback? I think he'd be a better guy coming off halfback than Zach Jones, personally. Yeah, but Brad Hill, he's not he's not really a pressure player. You know, like Zach Jones is is... He's competitive. He's if you play him in the back line, he's still going to be accountable. Like Zach Jones is physical. Uh, he's, so you're he's looking attack- at him like a, a Braden Maynard type of halfback. Yeah, but he he is a guy that uh, the other thing I like about him is that when he gets the ball, he he's always taking it on. And I don't actually think the Saints when I think about them, and it'll be interesting to see. I saw last night. I think it was Jonathan Brown was talking about potentially who you trade because they don't have a lot of trade assets or draft picks because they've traded them all for the guys they've brought in which you can't fault them for because that plan has really worked out perfectly to this point. But Brownie was talking about trading maybe a a Jack Billings or a Seb Ross, someone in that nature, to get an upgrade again in that midfield potentially. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what path you go down there. But, yeah, Zach Jones is a guy that I think will be accountable but also provide the runoff halfback because Ben Long, was, was he was reasonable at times this year. Obviously, he missed the final, and that was a blow for them. But I, I do think... I, I don't know. I just kind of like the idea of Zach Jones bursting from halfback. Brad Hill, clearly, he, he has to have a bounce back year as well. He, yeah. he was down. He was disappointing. Out of all the guys you were excited for the Saints to get, I think Brad Hill was maybe number one. Yeah, I'd say he was the biggest recruit coming in and probably the, the least impactful of all of those guys. What do you make of Jade Gresham for this team? He, he's only just turned 23. He played only 11 games this season. I just, I don't know. I'm not sure. What's his best role? Is it is it playing up forward? Is he the guy that can step up into a bigger midfield role? I'm not really sure where he's sitting at the moment. Yeah, I don't know, but he's, he actually has been a pretty good clearance player for them yeah, as is. well. And he's he's small, and I you know that makes it difficult because they've got so many guys around that same sort of size, the Saints, we, we talk about them all the time, obviously Butler, Loney, Gresham, and he, he is a goal kicker, he will kick you goals, but 4.6 clearances per game, only second to Jack Steele and the team, so he has been important for them, he's a ball winner, 18 disposals per game as well, and he's still so young, so I think, you know, that is probably, that's probably the one thing that the Saints will be able to hang their hat on is, is the majority of their key players around that age bracket that they probably should continue to improve, I, I just wonder Again, when you look at the other teams in the top four, uh, how are the Saints going to take that step? Uh, I don't, I don't know. It's it's difficult to really see. Perhaps getting back to to Marvel Stadium will help them. They were pretty scintillating there at the start of the season before everything moved away. And 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 I think you know above all else, when you look at the teams that are left in the season, you look at Brisbane and Port clearly. Uh, two mature teams, but it makes sense that they would be still in it given the fact that they've been able to largely stay at home during the season, um, play in front of crowds, clear advantage. But again, um, a, a couple of veteran teams there uh, or, or guys with veteran leaders within the group. I wouldn't call Brisbane a, a veteran team. But then uh, Geelong and Richmond, two teams that have been there and done that. So I think this year the challenge for teams was being able to be mature enough to stay together on game day during the hub away from home. So I think for St Kilda to be able to do that, it does show that uh, from Brett Ratton to the playing list, the, the leadership is there. I mean, that's the big thing. The fact that they were able to stay together through this season, I think holds them in pretty good stead. Let's now talk about Collingwood because they're the other team that was eliminated on the weekend. We can talk about St. Kilda, I feel like, forever. Um, they're such an interesting team. Now, Collingwood, they've got lots of questions. We know we've talked about it. Dugowie, 
Myacek, more all coming out of contract and yeah, priorities of who's signing to Goey. The Carlton room has been yeah, put down now, um, but still doesn't mean that he's coming back to Collingwood. Um, Myacek, it appears a long shot that he's coming back, depending on and what happens, because I feel like someone's definitely going to come in and trump that offer in terms of money. Um, we've spoken about Trelaw already. There's a lot of question marks here with where this team goes. It's still pretty exciting. Even I heard a rumor yesterday of Jaden Stevenson, perhaps uh, them looking to move him on. He's still under contract for one more year. So some real interesting decisions that they have to make. Well, Josh Dacos, another one uh, with this team. Like they're not. I don't know. How, I don't know how to view them. Are they? Are they a team? Because they've always been in this you know, grand finalist two years ago. Like they've been this good team for this long period of time, but they're not particularly old. Uh, they're not, but a couple of when you think about the pies, even this year, still still a lot of people saying, yeah, well, you know, still side bottom was out, and Jeremy Howe was out. Clearly, two huge losses. Both of those guys are going through turning thirty next season, which isn't the end uh, of the world, but still side bottom. I, I mean, side bottom doesn't strike me as a player that's going to be hugely impactful into his thirties. I mean, compared to a player like Pendlebury, who's just still you don't reckon they can just throw side bottom down the forward line? I, I can put him down could, there. He but, kick forty goals a year. I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, look at the guys they've got in the forward line. I mean, where does Sidebottom fit in? They're all the same. They all do the same thing up there. I think that's the problem for Collingwood. They haven't been able to kick a goal. So the question is, uh, was it structure or, or schematic, the problems for them in terms of kicking goals, or is it just not having players up there? Because we look at the midfield. Yeah, Brody Grundy in the ruck, you can talk about the fact he had a, a, a down season. I mean, <laughs> it was down by by his standards, but it was still pretty good in comparison to the rest of uh, the ruckmen around the league. And and then you look at the midfield that they've got. So the problem is up forward. Brody Majek, who might be leaving because they don't have enough money to pay him, led the pies in marks inside 50 with 25. Then you go down to the second player was Jaden Stevenson. So, that, so that's the problem. And then third was Jamie Elliott with only 14. I, I, I Unless the Pies are able to recruit a, a tall forward, a marking option, and again, I mean, you know, I, I don't think Mason Cox is the guy, then I, I think they're going to have the same problems. There are too many of the same type of player up forward. I think they're too easy to uh, defend. I think they move the ball too slowly. And then that uh, forces them to either kick a pinpoint pass to a lead in the player or kick it higher to a marking contest where they don't have the options up there, which is why at the end of the season they were basically forced to play Mason Cox because he was at least someone that was tall enough to provide a contest. So I, I don't know. I mean, we can talk about the fact that Majacek and Tagoe are, are contract question marks right now, but it, they need to they need to do something about the forward line. Yeah, they do, and, and I don't know what the solution to that is uh, at this point. I think is it is it Darcy Cameron developing more into that guy? Like, you know, he obviously had that horrible drop at the start of Saturday night's game, but that doesn't, um, you know, that doesn't, yeah, write the rest of his history. Like, he can obviously get better from there, but he's twenty five. He's not super young, but he's still, you know, he's still had a few years in the systems now to to get uh, get better. Oh, it was worth mentioning that Travis Varco did retire. As well yesterday, so that's um, yeah. Varco, of course, uh, won a couple of premierships, Geelong and Collingwood, so he's he's retired now. So that that forward line is is quite uh, a conundrum. Um, if they lose both Majacek and Dugowie, I don't know what the hell they do down there because that is that's really blowing it up. That's their two best forwards gone, uh, and there's a realistic chance that that could happen. Um, you wouldn't expect both to go, but it's far from something that's that's being ruled out. So I just don't know who that. Is that player on their list already? I don't think so. I'm not sure who that player is that they can go out and, and get. Um, 
They've still got growth from guys here. Yeah, Dacos can get better. There's the two Brown boys. I think they showed bits and pieces this season. You know, obviously consistent most of the time. But I just don't know where that where that next forward is coming from. It doesn't appear like they're on the on the list at the moment. Well, Collingwood fans might blast me for this. I'm not 100 percent sure. But the the problem for Collingwood clearly is salary cap. They don't have a lot of money. What they really needed to be able to do was get in on the Jeremy Cameron sweepstakes. Because think about it, if they could get Cameron. Then, then that is the the forward target. And yeah, I mean, he, again, he's not a huge pack splitter. He's not a huge contested mark player, but he's a true key target and a true key forward and a Coleman medal winner. That's the guy that they needed. So I do wonder, you know, whether Jordan Dugowie, I, I think it's his dad by the sounds of it, that's pushing for him to yep. get a million dollars a season. Well, first of all, he hasn't played anywhere near well enough or consistent enough to get a million dollars a season. So I, I do wonder, and I couldn't help but thinking last night, if Trelaw, if something happened and Trelaw did, you know, head to Queensland and Tagoe wasn't there anymore, then maybe there would actually be some cash to get one of these tall forwards in and maybe make a late bid for Jeremy Cameron because I think in terms of consistency and reliability and what you're going to get from all these guys, whether it's Mychek, Stevenson or Tagoe, Mychek is by far the most consistent player. He, he just is. He's been the best target for them up forward for a couple of years and really playing out of his depth. He shouldn't be a number one forward target on any team. But I, I think that... More than anything with Collingwood, this brings up for me something that I think is it's it's really bizarre that the AFL has continued to let this happen. Brody Grundy, there's been a lot of talk about him, and and Buckley sort of hinted that he had a down year this year, and the hub life was really difficult for him. And I, I've said this that I, I think that for a number of players, we'll see bounce back years next year. I think Ben Brown's going to be one of those who could be another target for the Pies, uh, Jeremy Cameron uh, as well, but, but Grundy down from his usual output. But the fact that Collingwood's having all these problems re-signing players figuring out where they can shuffle them in and they've got Brody Grundy who's just had it down here now he's about to start just about to start a nine-year contract worth around a million dollars a year the question I have for you Josh is the guy that signed him and the club signed him but the list manager the guys that are involved with signing him to a nine-year deal the chances of those that whole group actually still being at the club in six or seven years when the deal is is no longer <laughs> a good one and it's actually crippling the pie's salary cap, it, it, there's no there's no responsibility for them. They, they, they get to keep the guy through his prime for the short term and then potentially when they've moved on, he's still there uh, anchoring the pies down. Uh, nine-year deals, it's, why, are we, why are we allowing nine-year deals? Yeah, they are absolutely ridiculous to have them uh, being that long. Yeah, you know, Buddy Franklin signed that with his nine or ten years. I don't even remember. And the last couple of years, they're they're looking. He didn't play at all this year. And Buddy is not that same player. And you're paying him all this amount of money for that amount of time. Look good on the players. Like get your nine. Yeah, year absolutely. Deal. Brody Grundy, get it, mate. You're 26 <laughs> years of age. I get that. Get as much as you want. But it feels like those sort of contracts um, are poor. And what it also does is it puts. You know, pressures on other players and disrupts things with them where they have to move because of these longer-term yeah. deals. It, I'm not saying Collingwood's going into a rebuild or anything like that, but it could you know, be a real anchor in terms of keeping them down because they've got this on their books for as many years as they do and then you know, being able to turn things around. Uh, there needs to be some sort of limit on contracts, whether it's five years, six years. Six years is probably pushing it, but who the hell knows what's going on in six years? You know, there are very few players and you know, maybe Grundy is that guy, but we would have said that at the start of the year. But after what he did this year, you wouldn't say, well, he's a, a no-brainer six-year contract player. There aren't that many of them. And it's great for the club to get to feel like they're getting that security or well, this guy's locked in for this amount of time, but it, it can just as easily bite you in the ass. And not saying it will with Grundy, 
But if he doesn't turn it around next year, then it's going to look pretty ugly when he's 32 years of age and still got, got multiple years left. No, five year, five year max for mine. I think that that's the right number. And because, you know, typically the guys that are going to be in line to get those, and we could, we, I mean, this is a whole nother conversation, but I, I think that if we talk about ways that they can fix the system, there should be a, a set um, contract for guys that are drafted, no matter how old they are, they should get a set uh, contract, whether it's three or four years uh, right there, or, you know, whatever, you can negotiate that. But then when they come to their extension, you get five years, you're taking players through to the ages of, of 27, 28, 29. And I think that's the right mix. I mean, signing a guy for, you know, whatever it is, close to a million dollars a year when he's going to be in his mid-30s is ridiculous. Uh, it's almost going to be impossible for the player to live up to that. The club's going to struggle because of that fact. And again, I agree with you. Nothing, Not, not a knock on Brody Grundy at all or his manager. Like, shout out to those guys for being able to get that, that deal done. And the Pies clearly felt handcuffed into doing that as well because I don't think anyone that was looking ahead to the future financial responsibility of the club would sign that and think that that's going to be a deal that the player can live up to. So, you know, I, I just think, again, when we talk about changes to the system, that would be one of them as well. Five-year uh, max contract, I, I think, is, is the most thing. I, it, <laughs> yeah, it, it just it, it's almost impossible for a player to live up to that deal. It just is. Yeah, it, it, it is. And they might have a few good years at the start. And then by the end of it, it's, it's going to be rough. And you, you mentioned it. I agree with you in terms of, this solves so many of the free agency and player movement problems that people complain about. Guys getting drafted come in, you know, the first three rounds of the draft, four-year deal. That's it. So after two years, you're not like, my contract's up. And or you, Sometimes you have players getting contract extensions before they've even played a game or before the season's yeah, exactly, even started. Yeah. Four years, bang, you're done with that. And then the team has an option or they're restricted match rights or they can offer a, an extra year, a five-year versus a four-year. They can pay them a little bit extra on that second year. So ideally, teams get between... Uh, eight eight to nine years of control over players that they draft, and then the player hits 27, 28, whatever it is, and then they can explore their own free agency and move on from that. And you've got nine years for these stud players that you've got. Gold Coast, for example, would have Matt Rail for nine years. And if they can't build a good team around him in that time, then he deserves to leave, and they don't deserve anything back in uh, in you know, compensation because, oh, look at the effort we put in. Well, if you've got that amount of time and you know you've got the players for this period of time, then you've got... It's plenty of time to be able to build a, a squad around them and have good management in place and have a good culture and good systems and all that sort of stuff. And if you don't do it, stiff shit. Like those players move on, you don't get compensation. But having two-year rookie deals and players extending straight away and players asking back after this time, I understand teams go, oh, it's annoying. Like why are we putting this development time in? They need to have a much longer period there. You can assess it after three to four years and then see if you want that second contract. You have them the big incentive to remain with that club. And, uh, and and go from there, but I just this the the long contract and the short rookie contract just don't really make any sense. No, absolutely. So uh, to, to get back to to Collingwood as we sort of wrap this up, they are they're in a really strange position right now where they've got to make some decisions, probably on some guys that they would like to keep. But again, uh, through previous deals, they've just been crippled a little bit. And, and this, listen, we've seen this before, and this is why Collingwood it's hard to really predict where they're going to be next season. Uh, I, I don't think they're a team that's going to slide, but at the same time, if things don't go well this offseason, they can. And, and that's why I, I think you look at teams coming up through the ranks, like potentially Carlton that are dishing out all these uh, big-time money deals. You've, you've got a window once you start to do that, and you've got to figure it out, or else you find yourself in a bit of a list squeeze. So um, we'll see. We'll see what the players do. 
All right, and that'll wrap us up for today. Kane, we'll be back. We've got preliminary finals to talk about in the coming days. Don't forget, subscribe Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify. And a five-star review on Apple Podcasts would be great. Kane, thank you again. Catch you tomorrow, my friend. Guys, I'm going to leave you today with a shout-out to Tarkin Lockyer.